You're listening to episode 29 of the Sustainable Minimalists podcast. You are listening to the Sustainable Minimalist podcast, a show about living simply and sustainably with your family. Here's your host, Stephanie Safarian. Hello there and welcome back. Today we're looking at gender roles as they pertain to eco-friendliness. Now, eco-friendly behavior has long been associated with femininity, and this is true across cultures and across ages. Today's conversation centers upon why exactly this is, but more importantly, what we can do to change this stereotype so that more men feel comfortable adopting small and hopefully big sustainable life choices. My guest today is Professor James Wilkie. He is a consumer psychologist and assistant professor at the University of Notre Dame, and together with his colleagues, he conducts research that examines how environmental cues and social norms influence consumers. Now, the research we're discussing today is titled, Is Eco-Friendly Unmanly? The Green Feminine Stereotype and Its Effect on Sustainable Consumption. And I just want to make sure I give credit where credit is due to his co-researchers, Aaron Bro, Jingjing Ma, Matthew Isaac, and David Gall. This research was published in the Journal of Consumer Research in 2016. I've linked to the research and so much more in this week's show notes, which you can find at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 029 mamaminimalist.com forward slash 029. Now, this week's interview is chock full of fascinating information, so I really just want to jump right into it. Enjoy. Hi, Professor Wilkie. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to me today. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Stephanie? I'm good. I found you and your colleagues' research to be absolutely astonishing. And we'll talk about that in one second. But I just want to say that my husband didn't find your research so astonishing. He wasn't quite so surprised. And I'm wondering if that has to do with the differences in our gender. But why don't we begin with you telling us about your studies and the link that you found? So essentially, uh, this was a project that we did um, maybe uh, one or two years ago, and it was built off of a longstanding finding that women tend to be more environmentally friendly than men. And and that's true across uh, different countries, different age groups, just more generally, uh, since they started conducting this research, I think in the 60s and 70s, they've just found time and time again that that females are just more environmental. Since then, there's been uh, more research undertaken to see, okay, so why? Why is that? I mean, that's kind of interesting when you think about it. And there can be, of course, a number of different reasons about why that could be. And uh, for our paper, we didn't set out to say that we have the one and only answer. We think that the other research is also true. And like many complex situations, there are different uh, explanations, and they kind of go hand in hand. So previously, uh, much of the research has focused, though, on, I guess you'd call sex differences. So there are uh, a subtle difference in the way that you use the the term sex and gender, um, at least um, when I conduct my research. So sex, I, I refer to biological differences. So were you born a man or a woman? Gender is more fluid. 
than that. So that is masculinity, femininity. And on average, men are more masculine than women and women are more feminine than men. But within each of the sexes, there's variance. So you can think of very feminine men and very masculine men, very feminine women, very masculine women. So they're tied together, but they're also kind of separate things. So the earlier studies have mostly looked at uh, differences in personality traits. So women tend to be more nurturing than men. Uh, They tend to be more social than men, uh, more communal than men. And those are all kind of tied to environmentally friendly behavior. The prior research has really kind of emphasized those differences, whereas we were trying to think about it in a slightly different way. And this is actually is a, an extension of an earlier project that I had looking at the differences in how men and women make choices when it comes to products that have a gender attached to them. So you might think about, uh, well, within that paper, it was different types of food. So if you describe food in a certain way, it can come off to be more feminine or more masculine. In one study, we looked at like ice cream, for instance. You can call ice cream having little bits of tiny bits of chocolate uh, enrobed in fudge, something like that. It sounds more feminine in nature. Or you could talk about chunky hunks of, of chocolate, you know, really you know, jammed in there. Uh, and, and it's the exact same thing. It's just the way it's described. But one is described in a much more feminine way and one in a more masculine way. But really, the, the issue that, that, that we found there as well as within this paper, and, and perhaps your husband didn't think were, you, he wasn't all surprised by this because he probably faces this uh, daily and, and same with me, is we have this pressure to behave in a masculine fashion because if we don't, we tend to be scrutinized more. And women face a similar pressure uh, to act feminine, but the consequences now, I think because of the femininity movement and everything within our culture, if a female wants to act in a masculine way, it's not as threatening to other people as if a man was to act in a feminine way. I always give the example of going to a bar and ordering a drink. There are girly drinks. There are masculine drinks. I personally, I love girly drinks. <laughs> I, I love the, the sweet, fruity, pink drinks. Usually, they, I, they just taste better to me. But I always feel hesitant to order them because of what other people might think. I might get made fun of. You know, it could even wind up being a fight you know, if, if someone comes up and, and starts making fun of me. But uh, for women, a woman ordering a masculine drink, she might even get praise. Like, oh, that's really impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really a, a cultural thing. And just that nowadays, because women have uh, really fought to take on more masculine roles, there's less of a, a social uh, argument ag- against them choosing those things, right? Whereas with, with men, we haven't fought as much to take on more feminine roles, and we therefore tend to be uh, penalized more if we kind of take on that, those products and, and purchase those things, use those things, people look at us, you know, strangely, they, they, it's threatening to who we are as people. The way I interpreted your results is that eco-friendly actions like carrying reusable bags into the supermarket or 
handing over your own coffee cup to the barista at Starbucks, those actions are perceived to be feminine or even unmanly. Is that accurate? So that was um, kind of, so our, our, our project was kind of built into two parts. The first part was, okay, so if people are examined by others based on what they, they choose to, to wear or purchase, which many, much research has shown, and gender is a big component of it. Uh, so we might evaluate someone based off of whether what they're wearing appears to be masculine or feminine. Then our first question was, okay, so is this gap in environmental behavior perhaps because there's an obstacle for men? So perhaps they, there are some men who might want to be more environmentally friendly, but they feel a pressure not to be because, as you just alluded to, perhaps environmentally friendly actions and, and products are perceived to be feminine. So what we did in the first part was essentially we did these uh, well-known methods uh, in, within uh, implicit social psychology to figure out if people have stereotypes towards certain things. And so we ran these tests with eco-friendly products and actions, such as bringing your own ba- bag to the store, canvas bag, eco-friendly bag, versus just purchasing a, you know, a plastic bag, which is less environmentally environmentally friendly. And then we had people evaluate, okay, so if you saw someone doing this, how masculine or feminine do you think they are? And within one of our studies with the, the, the canvas bag, we found that people perceived someone bringing a canvas bag to a grocery store to be both more eco-friendly, but also more feminine. And it didn't matter whether the person was a man or a woman. It was kind of the same thing. They saw that uh, the eco-friendly, the green bag was uh, essentially more feminine people who, who brought those in, that's how they were evaluated. And so we did a few studies like that and essentially found over and over again that eco-friendly products and actions are, are seem to be associated with this idea of femininity. The interesting thing, I think, was we didn't really find, although the evidence was more scattered, I suppose, that un- uneco-friendly, so behaviors that are harmful to the environment aren't necessarily associated with masculinity. It's just that eco-friendly behaviors are associated with femininity. Femininity and masculinity aren't polar opposites. And this appears to be one of the cases where it seems like uh, eco-friendly things are, are just associated with femininity, but it has no effect on masculinity, per se. Mm. I'm a very black and white type of woman. And so I love to ask black and white questions. Here's one of them. Mm -hmm. Could your findings be due to the fact that men are generally insecure in their manliness? (laughs) Sorry, men everywhere. (laughs) Well, I think that is, I wouldn't say that it's insecurity per se. I would say it's sensitivity. So I, I think insecurity is, I guess, more of a negative word. I, I think sensitivity is more, there's this other piece of information out mm. there that we take into consideration, uh, we meaning males, that uh, females don't really care about so much. I would say certainly there are some men who are insecure, uh, and certainly there are some women who are insecure as well, and we're, we're always just talking about averages, right? They can vary by, by person. 
But uh, that's kind of the interesting thing, I think, because it's ironic in a sense that you typically think of women from a stereotypical standpoint as being the, the sensitive type. And yet when it comes to this gender argument, they're actually, compared to men, they're quite insensitive about how things are perceived from a gender standpoint. But men are the opposite. They seem to be quite sensitive. So that's kind of, uh, I think, just an interesting twist to the story. But I agree when it comes to picking between a masculine and feminine option, I, I guess you could say men are a little bit more insecure. They're, they're more uncomfortable doing that than, than women on average. Hmm. Your findings make me think back to the early 2000s when Priuses first hit the market, right? You know, I was psyched. Mm -hmm. I was, I signed myself up. I was one of the first Prius owners, but um, very soon after Priuses were widely mocked as uncool and lame and whatever other adjective you can think of to just display like lameness. (laughs) The men who proudly drove Priuses were few and far between Mm -hmm. and maybe still are. I'm not up to date on the demographics of Prius uh, drivers. But does the Prius serve as a real life example of what we're discussing today? Perhaps. I mean, I I can't say for sure, but it it would make sense, I think, uh, from the standpoint of, you know, here is if you weigh the if you look at the way the Prius is designed, it is a smaller vehicle, it's more curvy in shape, I believe. And those are two attributes that mm-hmm. people typically associate with femininity, actually. So there's even uh, shapes. Uh, there's, uh, imp- again, in kind of cognitive research showing that angular shapes are perceived to be more masculine in nature, curvy shapes more feminine in nature. And so there is a, a type of vehicle which seems to be, it comes off as more uh, feminine, e- even if it wasn't more eco-friendly just the way that it was visually designed. Now, if you add in the the eco-friendly part to it, then I think based on our research, it's even more feminine. So maybe if it was a gas-guzzling car that looked like that, people wouldn't think it would be as uh, feminine, perhaps more masculine in nature. So I think that, uh, and then when you think of a masculine car, what might come to mind to you? If not a Prius, what's the opposite of a Prius? A Ford F-150. Oh, that's a good one. I, I was thinking of a Hummer myself. Oh, yeah. If, well, yeah. If you remember <laughs> that's a early, I mean, you don't see them around so much anymore because of, uh, you know, gas prices really rose. And uh, it 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 wasn't necessarily for environmental reasons. I feel like that uh, you don't see Hummers on the road anymore. It was more because it really hit your wallet uh, right. due to gas prices. But I would say that that would be the the opposite of a Prius in that very big car very angular, I believe, in its features, just very powerful and you know, not environmentally friendly. And that comes off to be more uh, masculine, I believe. So uh, it was usually the kind of the, the opposite would be, I, I don't think you saw too many women really driving Hummers around. It tended to be men. Right. Uh, so there was kind of two ends of the spectrum. But unfortunately, from a societal standpoint, it's probably more beneficial for people to be driving Priuses than Hummers because of the pollution, right? Right. If we accept the assumption that environmentalism is for women, what ways do you see that we can change that assumption? Well, that was uh, 
one of the things we explored uh, near the end of our project. So it's basically, okay, we see a lot of evidence that, okay, it does appear that, that people associate eco-friendly things with femininity. Now, what can be done, if anything, to, to perhaps change that or, or to get men to be more environmentally friendly or take away this obstacle, at least, uh, for men? And there are essentially two ways that we went about it. One is, uh, and this is less practical, I believe, but really this talks about uh, what we term gender identity maintenance. On average, we need to, at least we, again, as in men, need to feel that we are in general masculine. That's the least threatening thing for us. Because if we, on average, believe ourselves to not be masculine, then we might be scrutinized by others and, and cast out and everything like that. So one thing you can do is, this is across different actions. So one action you might do is more masculine than feminine, and another action might be more feminine than masculine. So myself as a, a parent, you know, I take care of children quite a bit. And, you know, I'll, I'll play with dolls with my daughter for instance. That's uh, not a very masculine thing to do, but it's okay if I do that only some of the time. Now, I have to compensate for that by doing other more masculine things. So I'll go to a football game you know, or, or I'll watch an action movie. And that kind of reaffirms to myself, at least, that I'm a fairly masculine individual because on average, I do more masculine actions than feminine actions. So one thing that you can do, and this is one thing that we tested, is basically you, you make men feel, I, I guess to use your words, uh, secure with their masculinity. So you affirm that they are indeed masculine. Within our experiment that we did, we did this through a fictitious writing task. So it was a cover story that we had this algorithm that could tell personality characteristics based off of how people write. Which actually is a, it's actually based off of a true algorithm, by the way. But it doesn't, uh, I, I believe the algorithm doesn't do it by gender. It does it by uh, age and perhaps ethnicity. But we, we did ours based off of gender for the purposes of the experiment. And then half of uh, this was only done with male participants. And half of the participants received, then they, they received feedback saying that, oh, you write in a very masculine fashion compared to everyone else that you took this you're in the higher end of, of masculinity so you you write very very masculine way um and this was compared to a control condition where they received no feedback so half of the males they they get this message saying you're really manly man the other half they're just normal they they don't see anything about their masculinity they they're just how they normally are and after that, we had them rate a uh, environmentally friendly product, and how much interest that how much interest they had in it, how much they'd like to buy it, etc. And what we found was among those half of the people who were told that they were really masculine already, they were more willing to purchase the eco friendly product after than the control condition. And the idea there is okay. I'm I'm already have proven to myself and others that I'm really masculine. So it's okay for me to choose something feminine. Wow. And uh, whereas in the, the control condition, they hadn't affirmed their, their masculinity. So that was a more of a threatening task for them to see the, to want to purchase an eco-friendly product. 
So that's just one way that you could make uh, the case to change men's behaviors. You just prove to them that they are masculine. They don't have to worry about it. But that's probably not practical for at least a, a marketer to do in many cases. The the flip side of that is to essentially change this stereotype. And and so right now the stereotype is that green things are are feminine. Green products are feminine. Well, you can change that. It's just a it, you can change it through language, essentially just the way that things are described. And I think traditionally, at least we make the case that traditionally, when you think of eco friendly products, the way that they've been described, uh, they've been described in very feminine ways. So the, what, what color do you associate with, with eco-friendly things? Green. Green. Okay. Dark green or light green? Light green. Light green. Right. And previous research has shown that actually darker colors are associated with masculinity and lighter colors with femininity. So even by just changing the, the color, you can change a, a product that is in light green to change it to dark green, and that makes it seem like it's actually more masculine. It's still the same product, but it just is framed in a more masculine way. And this is what's been done with different product categories in the past that uh, were more feminine in nature. And all that was done is they changed the language, essentially, or they changed the way that the product looked and started selling it to men. So one of the earlier uh, product categories where this happened was in uh, body wash. And there used to be, it used to be that only women really used body wash. It was a really feminine thing. And then, uh, but, you know, by doing that, you lose half of the market. So half of the market's not interested in this particular type of product. So what they did was there's this football player called Ironhead Haywood. And this was with Zest. And, and what, they start having a series of commercials with this big football player, really masculine. Okay. So you take one of the most masculine people you could find and you show him using body wash. And he was talking very, in these campaigns, very aggressively and basically shooting down that it was bad for men to use body wash. He was like, it, it's fine for men to use body wash. This is you know what we need to do. It, it really, um, you know, powers away uh, germs and stuff like that. And now if you go into to stores, you you see body wash for men. And it, it is kind of interesting because you see, I mean, it's body wash, so it, it shouldn't really matter. There shouldn't be a, a, a version for men and a version for women, probably. I mean, I, I assume it's probably the same thing, but one is in a, a dark package with some uh, interesting masculine phrase attached to it. And that's for men. And then for women, it might be in a little bit lighter packaging and, and, you know, more of a kind of a feminine note attached to that. So that's one case where one category where it was traditionally feminine, they did a, a few things and all of a sudden, yeah, it's okay for men to do it now. You know, you're not scrutinized. In some instances, you see products that have the tagline for men or for women on the bottom. Um, you could do that with green products as well. You could have a, a masculine version of green products and a feminine version of a green product if you need to. So that would probably be, I think, the easiest way to take away the, the obstacle is simply to just reframe things and, and not perhaps don't call it green 
or eco-friendly. Friendly is more of a warm adjective, and that is uh, the things that are warmer tend to be perceived as being more feminine. But if you were to use, uh, actually, what we did in, in our last study was uh, we did a field study in China, where again, this association exists where uh, eco-friendly things are seen to be more feminine in nature. And we, uh, well, one of my co-authors, actually Jingjing Ma, who, who's at Peking University, she did a field study there at a BMW dealership. And she got them to agree to basically either call this vehicle that they were selling uh, as a, kind of an eco-friendly car, or in, in the other version, call it, uh, I believe it was uh, eco-protection. Uh, so protection was more of a masculine kind of uh, description in, in China anyway, than eco-friendly, being friendly to the environment versus protecting the environment. Protecting something's a little bit more of a masculine thing. It's more about uh, responsibility, and, uh, et cetera, than, than warmth. And what we found was that that did change people's interest in the vehicle. Men were more interested in the eco-protection car than the eco-friendly car. Again, same car. All that was changed was one little word uh, in this uh, description, and uh, you get a change in, in interest based off of it. So I, I think that's probably the easiest uh, path to, to getting men to be more kind of eco-friendly or purchasing e you know, green products. Hmm. You speak to the importance of changing gender stereotypes, and you offer some real solid recommendations, especially for marketers and advertisers. I'm wondering on the smaller scale, for instance, a woman who's married to a man who may not be interested in taking steps towards sustainability. And I'm wondering whether women who find themselves in this situation could speak to their husbands maybe as protectors of the family. What do you think about that? Is this a hypothetical? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I am actually very fortunate to be married to a man who loves everything eco-friendly. But I'm wondering more if you are securing the man in his masculinity by framing sustainable choices as protecting your children from harsh chemicals or protecting your offspring from a desolate future due to our planet's destruction. Could securing your husband or your partner's masculinity in that regard help perhaps to change the needle in terms of eco-friendliness? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I, part of it, I believe, is, um, you know, it's hard to just tell people explicitly, oh, you should do this, or try to explain to them. It's more kind of uh, just a subtle way in which you approach it, I think. So like you said, it, it might be better to talk about, oh, you know, we should probably get this because, you know, this could really harm our kids if we, you know, uh, use this type of product instead. And, and, you know, it's up to us to kind of raise our, our kids uh, so that they're healthy. Men, one thing about, and again, the, the problem is I, I don't like talking about uh, whole groups of people per se. So you know, I'm talking when I'm talking about men, I'm talking about three billion people or whatever. And, and there's, of course, a lot of differences in there. So this is just on average, and and perhaps this will work for some versus another. But it would seem to me that there are different reasons why men might not want to buy something that's eco-friendly, for instance, and might not even have to do with 
eco-friendliness per se. So on average, green products, although the price has been coming down, in the past, they've cost more money than regular products. And so you might have men out there and myself included. So I don't buy all green products. I, I try to buy as many as I can, but I, I'm also cognizant that they cost more. And for me, I also have to protect our future financially. And so if I, I, I might then face a dilemma, do I protect our, our future by buying a cheaper product that's less eco-friendly or by spending more money for an eco-friendly product. And so I think you have to, women tend to be a little bit better at taking into consideration other people into their judgments or society at large. So we should do this for the benefit of others. Whereas I think men, there's a higher priority on, we need to do, make sure that we take care of ourselves first. So I think going down the route of we have to do this so that uh, future generations of Americans are healthy, that might be a harder sell for men, I think. Uh, I don't think men will disagree with it. It's just that there might be things higher in priority than that. But if you can speak to, um, well, you know, this is only, this costs 10 cents more and 10 cents actually isn't that much compared to the benefit that you get from buying Mm -hmm. an eco-friendly product because it's, you know, 10 cents is worth uh, protecting the health of our kids, right? Right. So speaking about it more in those terms, I think you, you're kind of getting into more of those types of masculine priorities. But again, it, it's a complex issue um, and there's no perfect solution. But I think that that's one way to probably approach it better f- with men who are resistant to purchase eco-friendly products because they come off to be feminine. Basically, don't focus on the eco-friendly part so much or or what it means to others. Focus it more on what this means for our family in the near future and even in in financial terms. So if, if two things are equally priced, then you say, oh, you get even something even better with this green product. So talking about it in more financial terms can be helpful as well. And a lot of, uh, in terms of eco-friendly appliances, they they tend to, you know, eco-friendly meaning uh, they use less energy. Certainly, you can phrase that as being, oh, you know, using less energy is helpful for all of us, society at large, which it certainly is. And I don't think men would be against that, but they're more concerned about perhaps, do we have enough money to make it through the month? And in terms of that, you can think of, well, by buying an energy efficient appliance, we don't have to spend as much on electricity. Hmm. Thank you so much for those suggestions. And thank you so much for agreeing to come on and share your work. This has been quite enjoyable for me. This stuff just lights me up. Our conversation has been eye-opening. So thank you so much. Oh, sure thing. I hope you enjoyed that interview. And if you did, or even if you didn't, I would love to hear from you. How does Professor Wilkie's findings play out in your own life? Join our private Facebook group, say hello, and join the conversation. Now, you can find Professor Wilkie's research in its entirety, as well as everything else I give every week in the show notes at mamaminimalist.com forward slash zero two nine. Now, next week, we are discussing sustainability and minimalism, my two favorite things, 
as they apply to our furry friends, our pets. I'll see you then. Take care.